0: We're going to be looking at probably, I'm assuming, if we took a poll, this would probably be your favourite parable in the whole Bible. Right. Um, it's, it's just the one we always go to, the one we always look at. Um, no, not exactly, right? The <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, parable of the shrewd manager. <laughs> yeah, so, right? I can't, wait, can't wait to preach on the parable of the shrewd manager. <laughs> um, again, it would be one of the more confusing parables in the Bible. It really would. Um, and, but we'll, we'll pick up there, and it's God's word, and we're going to learn from it anyways, aren't we? So, I mean, I believe even, even in the context of what's going on right now, this is a very applicable scripture, as I believe we'll find out as we, we begin to read. Um, so, in Luke chapter 16, in uh, starting at verse 1, it says, Jesus told the disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, "How much do you owe my master?" 3,000 litres of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 1,500. Then he asked the second, How much do you owe? 30 tons a week, he replied. He told him, Take your bill, make it 24. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Um, it's a full-on full on scripture. Um, and as we're coming into to Luke chapter 16, we see a, a somewhat of a change of audience. Uh, previous to this, Jesus was talking to uh, tax collectors, sinners, and, and also the religious um, uh, Pharisees of the day, the religious leaders. Um, and we, we have this here, and obviously these people are probably still around, but, but it says that Jesus kind of starts speaking to his disciples directly. And he tells them this parable and and we get this this overall theme of, of how, how do we handle what we've got how do we handle our possessions um, and the title of this, the sermon today is simply who are you serving who are you serving mm-hmm. um, and, and again you here you've you've got well, really not even just this but all of Luke 16 really is this overall theme of, of how we handle our possessions. Um, You've got here the the parable of the true manager and then finishing on from 19 onwards you've got the rich man Lazarus, right? Where you've got this man who's got lots of money and kind of selfishly uses it and then this man who has very little. And we we just get this overall theme of how do we handle what we have got. Again, this is a very difficult passage Mm. uh, because it's confusing, the master sort of finds out that his manager hasn't been doing a good job been wasting his money um, with what he was entrusted with and so he's about to be fired, right? He says, you can know I'll be my manager bring all the books in, I want to see what's going on and so in this kind of, this last act of, he's still got the books the manager, and it's this like final moment where he thinks okay, I'm going to try and use this before I have to hand it over and I get fired to to get some benefit for myself and then it gets even com- more confusing because all of a sudden he gets commended for doing what seems like a very dishonest thing. He gets pointed as someone who, who should be an example and, and you just think, what on earth is going on? What, what does this all really mean? And, and there are three main ideas of, of why, uh, of what really the, the idea of this is. Um, and, and the first one being that the shrewd manager um, is really just he really is kind of just dishonest and he's making his boss out to be this bad guy. Um, just going around basically reducing all the bills to get in other people's good books. Like, wow, how great was the manager? Yeah, this master's a bit of a jerk, isn't he? He was trying to charge us this much, but the manager, look at this, wow, trying to get into their good books. So that's that's one idea, but but most most people reject that idea, just it doesn't really fit in with why would Jesus commend... And even why would the Master commend him as well? Like, that just wouldn't happen. I'm firing you because you've been lying and stealing and you're going and doing it again. That doesn't, two wrongs don't make a right. I'm not going to... Yeah. So that most likely isn't, isn't it. Um, the second one is a lot more plausible. Um, had to do with potentially removing interest. Uh, basically, under the Jewish law, Jews couldn't charge each other interest. Um, just write this down. Deuteronomy 23.19 says... Do not charge a fellow Israelite interest, whether on money or food or anything else that may earn interest. You may charge a foreigner interest, but not a fellow Israelite, so that the Lord your God may bless you in everything you put your hand to in the land you're entering to possess. So again, the idea here is, is that this, this master has been charging, most likely, fellow Israelites' interest. And here the manager comes through, and obviously he hasn't really cared in the past, but he thinks, this is my one chance to get into some people's good books. Let me write this wrong. And the master, what can the master say? But yeah, you've acted truly. You're helping me obey what is I'm supposed to obey. So that's one one other possible one, a more likely one. And the one that, that I personally believe fits in the most is, is the third option, which is basically he was removing his own commission. That as a manager he he would gain his wage somehow. And uh, how would that be done? it in the business that he would be dealing on behalf of the Master. And so here he is, and, and he thinks, Oh my goodness, I'm out of a job, I'm going to have no money. No one's going to hire me now. Look at me, like, I've got this bad rap, and I, I know what I can do. I can get into all these debtor's good books. Not by stealing more from my boss, but but by taking away my own commission. Personally sacrificing so that when I have no job, people will welcome me in as someone who has self-sacrificed for others. I personally believe that that sounds the most reasonable, um, is what's fitting in. But the second one could also be a, a good option. But, but again, the real point of the story is, is this overall arching theme of are we generous with what we have got? Are we using our possessions for God? And so the first point is simply generous with our mammon. You may be wondering what earth is mammon. That is the Greek word which is used here for money. Um, And so it doesn't just mean money. Mammon is just our possessions, our resources. It it can just be anything that we use. And so I'm sorry, the teams who are here, I know you guys kind of thought you'd like scrape by this one thing, well, I have no money. (laughs) I'm skinned, so you're not like, no, Sorry. But unfortunately, this applies to everyone, because we all have something. Yes. We all have possessions, um, our resources, w- whatever you have. Um, and again, some examples for, for everyone. We have clothing, we have phones, we have cars, we have houses. Whether we own them or rent them, we have them. and We have time, we have energy. We have so many different things that, that God has given us at our disposal. And we get to this point in verse 8 where, where uh, the, the master commends the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. And he says, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of life. Contrasting those who are disciples with people who are. And he says, you know, people plan that they act shrewdly. They, and they, they put so much thought into how to deal with one another how to get through life, how to plan for the future. Hey, i better make sure I'm going to be welcomed Mm. into people's houses. Let me really think this through. And even you think now, everyone plans so much. Whether it be planning for what sixth form you're going to try and get into. For studying for GCSEs, for colleges, for universities. Figuring out what job you want. Figuring out who you want to date someday or get married to. Who you want to be, Who you, what you want to be known for, everyone plans. Everyone. And, and Jesus is saying to you, if, if people of the world plan, out, how much more should we? But, but they plan for things that are so temporary. How much more should we plan for things that will truly last? They plan for things that could be here today and gone Tomorrow. He says, You guys need to plan for things that will go on into eternity. Things that will truly last. What about us? Do we plan ahead spiritually? Are we thinking about our eternal destination? And going through moments like this as a church generally makes us do that. And not that that's. And I think God can use these times, hopefully, to wake us up at times. To make us realize what is most important. Because if we, if we look at the direction of our life, where we're heading, where we're focusing our energy, our thoughts, our times, our money, our, our ideas, is it leading towards God? Or is it leading towards things that, once we pass on from this life, won't really matter? What are, what are we really, truly focused on? We need to plan ahead, Spiritually, And I think part of this way of planning ahead spiritually, he, he talks about this idea uh, in verse 9. He says, um, I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it is gone you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This idea of like planning for eternity. And it's a little confusing, um, but it's this idea, I believe, of being generous with our mammon. Generous with what we have got. So that when we get to heaven, we'll be well-received. And that's what he says, and again, it's a little unusual. And and so you think, okay, what does that exactly mean, Be well-received? Well, I think it could probably be two different things. Obviously, being well-received by God. (laughs) On that final day, when we're standing before God, and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. You were wise with what I gave you. Mm -hmm. The different talents we all get given, the different bags of gold, the different possessions we get given, you were wise with what I gave you. Being received well by God into eternity, and, and but I think it also has something else as well that talks about using our worldly wealth to win friends that that will welcome us into eternal glory. So it's not just God, but but it is people that we help get to know God
1: Amen.
0: that that we use our resources not just so we can get there, but but to help other people get there. Amen. So that as we pass on, that there is. That yes, there's times of mourning, but, but only for a little while. As we remember that we are going to be together with God in heaven. And you just imagine that scene. Rocking up to heaven. And, and there's God. And, and he, arms wide open. And he says, I know it was tough. I know you struggled. I know you messed up. But well done, good and faithful servant. You, you, you stayed on the path, no matter how hard it got. And, and, then, and we see our, our, our brothers and sisters, our loved ones, and it's just a celebration. A celebration together. Perfect relationships. No, no, more, no more crying, no more tears. Perfect relationship. What a celebration that will be, right, church? What a celebration that will be. And not just that, but then someone will come up to you something you don't even recognize and, and they come up and they introduce themselves and, and they say I'm here be, because of you S- something you don't even realize you did that that you, you reached out to me one time and, and I wasn't interested at the time I brushed you off I maybe took a card and nodded my head and I had no intention of coming along but but then something's happened in my life and it made me think and I got that invite and I searched and I studied the Bible and I became a disciple thank you so much for using your time your energy to reach out to someone like me and not just me but now my spouse is here and my children that that what you did has had much more effect than just what happens on this earth but what happens in eternal dwellings And someone else comes up to you and says, thank you so much for for giving contribution. You don't even know, but but your contribution helped us plant a church in a city where I was. I was able to get reached out to and become a disciple. You don't even know it, but what you did gave me a chance to get to know God. Gave me a chance to have my sins forgiven. I'm here because you were generous with your time, your money, your love, your effort. And this is what we're called to be Amen. as disciples.
1: Amen.
0: What a celebration it will be. Amen. There will be no regret of any sacrifice you guys have given in this, in this life. There will be no looking back and thinking, Oh, I really wish I hadn't have given up that extra time to, to help so and so. To comfort someone throughout this hard time. To comfort Sharon's family and other brothers and sisters. There will be no regrets of, of money sacrifice, of time sacrifice. When we're there in our eternal dwelling. What a celebration that will be. Are we generous with our money? our money, our time, our energy? Let's be generous with these things. Because once once we pass on, there will be no more useful them for us. Yeah? They will be useless other than the fact that we use some of these things to help other people get to know God to help other people stay faithful through tough times. These are the only ways we can truly use these things to affect eternity. So what are we doing with our resources? And and I think there's so many great examples out of the church of this, and and one that's obviously affected us quite closely uh, in the student ministry are are the DAOs. Um, They they open up their house every Tuesday night from about 6 till about 8.30 for the students. I don't know, about 10, 12 students that come in and sometimes ruin their place as well. We've damaged it. And they keep opening up their house graciously. <laughs> and they open it up so that we can have Bible discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And they open up not just to disciples, but they have random people they've never met coming through their doors. Mm-hmm. Around all their stuff. And I think, wow, what a great example of, of people using their possessions, yeah. their things, to, to not just get comfort for themselves, mm-hmm. but for... But to help other people. And some of Rory will have worked like a twenty four hour shift. And there they are opening the door, come on in. And I think and there are lots of great examples out there, but let's 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 imitate those types of examples. Use what we have. It doesn't have to be money, it can be whatever we have. Whatever we have. And, um, let's be great. Examples. Let's be generous with our time. Um, and uh, and secondly, secondly, let's be faithful with our manner. Generous with our mammon, faithful with our mammon. Uh, in verse 10, it says "He, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Jesus is kind of starts saying here, he talks about whether it's a little or big, he's like, character is Character. Whether you're dealing with something large or big, your character is the same no matter what. Yeah. We sometimes think it's not. We sometimes think it's, it's just in the big moments where it really counts. But, but it's not. And and, and just as a story. There's a few different types of um, of variation to this story. But but just a, a short story here of someone who who they who they got someone came up to them. and They said, "Hey, look." They worked at a workplace, and they said. I think I found a way that we can actually really make some great money out of this. We won't get trades back to us, and and I'll split it with you. This is big money. I'm talking, we'll get five million pounds each. Our our company will lose out, but we'll get five million pounds each. No one will know, no one has to know. Will you do it? Guaranteed money in the bank. The guy wrestles with it. Oh my! I, no, I'm not a thief. I, I, I don't think I've, I, since being an adult, who's known right and wrong, I've never done anything wrong like that. Stolen money, By five million pounds. No one will ever know. If no one will ever even, this company turns over billions of dollars a year. Will they even know that it's missing? So he says, "Yes, okay, let's do it. No one will know." The guy says, "Okay, well, what?" What about, if, uh, I don't know about 5 million pounds actually, but ma- definitely a million pounds. What about that? A million pounds? Well, it's kind of I mean you've dropped it significantly now, but... A million pounds. In Birmingham. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I could wow. You live in the royal town of something. <laughs> 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 or I could buy 10 properties in smelly oak. In <laughs> 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 Wow, okay, <laughs> this is <laughs> a million pounds. No, one will know. no, no, the company turns over a billion dollars a year. Who will know? Okay, if no one's going to get hurt. Let's do this thing. Okay, well, maybe not a million. What about 50 pounds? 50 pounds? What? What kind of person do you think I am? And the man replies I already know what kind of person you are. We're just trying to haggle over the price. (laughs) This idea that, that big or small, Mm. the big things just sometimes reveal our character. The big things just reveal what's truly there. That we need to be faithful Mm. with our man and faithful with the small things that seem so insignificant. So insignificant. And, and, and you know, as, as you studied the Bible and became a disciple, one of the big things that we committed to as we said, Jesus, Lord, we said, I'm not going to be a Sunday Christian. And maybe even you once were, I know I was. And we said, no, it has to be more than that. It, it has to be in every part of my life. I'm not even just going to go to just a Sunday and a, and a midweek service. I, it needs to get into every part of my life, this, this discipleship. And we, we, we all would have committed to that and said, no way, I'm, I'm Jesus is Lord. But then over time, as we begin to look at our schedules, as time moves on, sometimes we look back and we say, have we actually slipped maybe into that? Mm-hmm. That thing we said we never would.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That we look at our schedule, we look at all the things that we do in life, and, and what, what are they pointing towards? Is it pointing towards God, or making sure we have a great life here? What, what what are we investing in? Are we faithful with what we've got, or are we using it to to get comfortable lives here and now? The big things they just expose our character. Yeah. They just make it clear what's really there. Yeah. And really, what are the little things? Well, Jesus says. He says, you know, who can be trusted with little things can also be trusted with much. Um, he said, sorry, he goes in verse 11 he says, so if you're not being trusted in handling worldly wealth who will trust you with true riches? Mm. The little things are money cars, careers, jobs these things sports, these things that don't really matter Mm. in the scheme of things And God wants us to enjoy these things for sure to get enjoyment but they don't really matter that much, do they? What really matters are relationships. Our families. Our friendships. Matters and issues of the heart. Love. These are the things that really matter. That that are true riches. People's souls. These are the things that are of true value. That that God wants to entrust us with as we are here. He says, but if you can't be trusted with some of these little things that, that you're given, how can you be trusted with big. What about you, church? Are you faithful with your mammon? Are you faithful with what God has given you? These are little things. Because don't we all want to be entrusted by God with the things that really matter? So let's be faithful with our mammon. And thirdly, let's serve God and not mammon. In verse 13, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. God and Ammon. And again, he talks here about, um, you know, you'll hate the one and love the other. And and again, it's a word comparison, which we've seen throughout the book of Luke. Luke uses this in Luke 14 as well. He says, you know, if you don't hate your mother, father, you cannot be my disciple. Obviously, he doesn't want that, but... But he says, but your love for me should be so much greater. And with money we don't have too much of an issue with that, obviously. We say, yeah, of course, but, but then sometimes we're like, the money's a real close second, maybe. And so he's saying, no, no, you, you can't serve both God and money. And in Matthew 6, there's a parallel scripture, and, and, and he uses, he talks about having a healthy eye. And it basically just means, the Greek word is just to be one-eyed. Mm-hmm. To be one-eyed. And, and and that's what the call is, is for us to not be two-eyed, but one-eyed. And what I mean by that is, is we, as humans, we actually have dominant eyes. Any of you guys are optometrists, you probably know this. Maybe some of you guys know this as well. But, but we have a dominant eye. And, uh, if you were to look at me, look at everyone, if everyone sort of looks at me and both eyes open and then do, do like a little triangle and just sort of like cover my face. I sort of cover my face like a bit bigger, Josh. So you can see. So you can see. Sorry. So you can see my face through the the triangle, and then close one of your eyes. Pick one. Oh! All of a sudden, in eyesight, and then all of a sudden, out of eyesight. That's your dominant eye. Ooh. And Jesus is saying, saying. we've
1: <laughs> I didn't
0: know that. We we need to be one we need to be one eye, we need to have a healthy eyesight, focused on what really matters. Amen. Amen. Focused on what really matters. Because we only take the best image mm. with our physical eyes and and also with our spiritual eyes. We only take the best image. What are you really looking at? I mean, really think about it. What are you really looking at in your life? Because yeah. you may go through life thinking I'm looking at both. I'm doing a good job. I'm juggling it pretty well. Only to find that one day, one eye gets closed and you realise you're not looking at God at all. Mm-hmm. To realise that your eyes have not been focused on God. And, and don't let that happen on, on the last stage. Let that happen now if that needs to happen. But we need to remember that we need to focus on God. We can't serve God. And, and what are you really looking at who are you really serving. And again, I think if you do try and serve two masters, as we all will have at some point in our lives, you'll quickly find out that that there'll be times where the pursuit of the world of comfort and its offerings will mean that God gets slighted, God gets moved to the side. And I think for example, this happened to me when I was working, I worked in construction as an engineer in Australia for about four years, and, uh, and I first got there, I was an intern for about three months and, and my boss he was an intense character, and the construction industry is all about making money. Just, or just go, go, go! Hurry up, get a bill, make money, make money, and 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 what will happen is a client might come to him and say, "Hey, we want we want some extra work done to be a variation," and this is where the construction companies go. Yes, let's just jack the price up. Let's mm-hmm. make extra money. Let's let's tell them it costs this this much when it really only costs this much. And my boss came to me and said, How hey, I need you to to." Tell the client it actually costs double, and that moment of, oh, but, 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 but I'm an intern. What okay, can I? He's my boss. Well, like I get fired. Well, like, man, I got this job. It's a great job, and and, and then, oh my goodness, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And and I shame shamefully gave in, and I did it, and and it came to a point. I was just glad I had brothers in my life, and eventually I got open about it. And, and just through that encouragement, you, you can't, you're serving God and my, God and this world. And so I went to my boss and I was like, hey bro, I didn't say hey bro. (laughs) (laughs) Hey dude, no, he wasn't here, no. I was like, I apologize, I said I apologize, I'm, I'm a Christian and I should have never done something like that. I, I, I'm sorry, I won't do that. And the excuses that started to come, well, if you ever really want to make in this industry, that's just how it is. You're going to have to do that. We're losing, look, we're losing money on this part of the job. This is just to fill that hole. and We've done the job too cheap anyways. Like, come on. And, and everyone does it. And, and you rest and you're like, oh. And it's true, everyone well, everyone does it. But luckily I have gotten enough encouragement and, and been directed to God that I was like, I don't care that's what everyone does. I did, but no, not anymore. I can't do that. Yeah. And and the crazy thing is, is that he ended up a couple of years later, uh, left the company and and found out that he had stolen up to a quarter of a million dollars of, of money from the company as well. That these little things that oh I'll never do that to the company though. Actually no, when we when we when we when we, uh, when we start to, to falter in the small things yeah. and the small bits it grows and grows and grows and we get to places where we never thought we'd even be. Let's be faithful with our manager. Uh Let's be faithful, let's, let's be shining lights. And I think for those of you who are teens in, in, in university, but even in the workplace, I think it can be when you're around a group of people and they're talking about certain things you just think, I really should not be listening to this. Crude jokes, swearing, uh, racism, putting different genders down treating people like objects and you know it's wrong and what do you do? The pursuit of the world, you'll give in. That's where we need to be focused on God. Don't give in to the excuses of well I'm trying to be relatable and eventually I'll win them over and no. The more you compromise, the more you will continue to do so. You may think you're serving both God and heaven, but you aren't. You can't. We can only serve one or the other. Mm. One or the other. And so it's a choice. Um, and I think the choice is... This choice of who are we going to serve? Who are we going to go after? It very well may mean that you're not going to be the coolest, most relatable person in the world. Yeah. That that probably will happen. That that yeah, you, you may not be, but but who who really cares about these worthless things when you have the most valuable thing? Amen. When you have a relationship with God, salvation. Who who's going to care on the end day? How many Facebook friends you have, how many Instagram followers you had, how relatable you were, how popular you were, none of that will matter. And we need to just get focused on God. Get one eyed on God. The worldly things we value so much cars, houses, degrees, phones, clothes, shoes, popularity, these things, it says God in God's sight, they are detestable. They are worthless. That yes, we will have these things, use them for Better things. Use it for things that will really matter. And the Bible even describes heaven as you know, the roads are paved with gold. And, and and I always used to think, oh wow, man, how amazing is heaven? But it's it's not that, it's it's saying the things that we value gold, they're just road filling. <laughs> but
1: like they're like
0: gold, no, we wouldn't even use we would walk on gold. That's worthless. That, that the things in God's sight that we value so much in God's sight, it has no value in eternity. We need to keep our eyes on the things that really matter. The things that that when we are at the end day, we can be standing there and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We can meet the brothers and sisters that have gone before us and have finished the race. Church, we are not defined by our possessions, we are not defined by our status, by our popularity, by all the things the world says we are. We're defined by our relationship with God, by clinging to His grace and His mercy. So in conclusion, what is your life about? You all know, you, you, or you will know by what your life is about, by what consumes your time, your energy, your thoughts. Are there things that really matter? Are there things that have eternal worth? Let's go after that. If you're visiting with us today, I encourage you, sit down and study the Bible with someone. Find out is this really something that really matters? Mm. And, and I guarantee you will be blown away. Oh you will be blown away. Oh Church, how are we using our money? Let's be let's be generous with our possessions, let's be faithful with our possessions, and let's serve God and not things of this world. Amen.